Dit jaar stroomt de Nieuwe Waterweg 150 jaar vanaf de Noordzee naar Rotterdam. In de podcast Waterwegverhalen van Open Rotterdam vertellen vijf mensen wat deze rivier voor hen betekent. In deze aflevering bezoek ik Dorre van Duivenmode Schiedam, het laatste havengebied in de stad. Op de kaart zag hij veel water, dus waarschijnlijk zou zijn volgende slaapplek een boot zijn. Van de een op de andere dag werd de Syrische Latief vanuit het asielzoekerscentrum in Eindhoven in Schiedam geplaatst. Op een opvangboot aan de Buitenhavenweg. Latief en ik lopen vanaf zijn boot de Nassau langs het kanaal en door het havengebied. Hoe is het om hier je weg te vinden als je eind 20 bent, werktuigbouwkunde gestudeerd hebt en niets liever wilt dan aan de slag in die haven, maar moet wachten en het water je thuis is geworden. Sochtends vroeg, als de bewoners van de Nassau een kopje koffie drinken, pakken we onze spullen voor de wandeling en ons gesprek in het Engels. How is it, Latif? How is it for you to live on a boat? The main important trick when you're living on the boat, I think, is to to maintain a positive attitude. You know, uh, because space is small. You know, uh, you're basically seeing the same people 24/7. Probably, you know, you. You didn't pick them. For months, yeah, you didn't pick them. You have to live with it. You know, and you know your boundaries. You you when you live on the boat, you have more. Uh, sense of your boundaries and such. So, this is one thing to that uh, can add to you. You know, I'm always tracking the the vessels. There is an app on the phone where you can track all the vessels, where it goes, and stuff like this. And you see literally that from where it's going, it's going all over the world. I don't know, Shanghai. Did When did you start doing that? Here, yeah. There are so many things that comes uh, um, that you know, you know, while living on the boat. We are now walking through the uh, Wilhelmina Harbor, eh? a part of Schiedam, yeah. Rotterdam. Yeah. It is a bit of border area between the two places, and it's a very industrial area where we are now. Uh-huh. There are high walls uh, besides us, and big companies. And right. It feels, for me, it feels a bit. Uh, nondescript, uh-huh. a, a bit. It can be anywhere, actually. Yeah. It could be. Uh, we are here, but we could be in another city, in another country. Mm-hmm. Uh, how is that for you? Well, it's. Uh, it's since it's an, like an industrial zone here, uh, beside the port. There are so many like industrial facilities and such. This you can find uh, a lot in other places, but I don't think it's that dense. Like Rotterdam, it's super dense here. And is it for you because um, I notice you you pay a lot of attention eh, when you walk through these areas right. and you studied mechanical engineering, right? And you are 29. Yeah, yeah, you correct. Maybe want to do other things than uh, you than be on the boat and wait also. Oh yeah, okay, yeah. Is it when you walk here that you think, oh, I have ideas, I have. 
uh, thoughts and I'm eager and I want to be more active and work in my own area. Definitely, yeah, definitely. That's one of the reasons why Rotterdam became one of my favorite cities because uh, as an engineer, it's like a, a place with a lot of, you know, cranes. You see a lot of dogs, cranes and a lot of technical work is happening here, you know. So being here, thinking about all the possibilities that I could be, you know, doing, for example, and uh, in a certain facility, improve something or, I don't know, um, modify something. Uh, this idea always comes up to me when I'm, uh, you know, walking around, let's, let's say, and seeing all these uh, facilities, the industrial facilities and such. I'm always eager to discover what's behind them, what kind of part or role do they play. And do you already know where, um, how long you will be on the boat? Uh, yeah, for a couple of weeks more, uh, I think, yeah. So, I think soon, like uh, by the end of this month, Yeah. probably we will get, uh, you know, transferred somewhere else, but I'm not sure where. You're not sure where? I have no idea. Clean idea. In Schiedam, another place? or? I'm not sure. It's, it can be anywhere in Holland. You know? Anywhere there is like the... the north, east. How is that for you? Uh, it feels a little bit... how to say... It feels a little bit unknown. You get me? So... Once you know where you're gonna stay for longer term, you can basically make some plans, discover the place better, and make a lot of connections, get to know the locals there, and interact with them. Organize a lot of activities, just like how we did last time. We organized like a, an activity with the locals in Schiedam, around our boat, and they're really welcoming, you know. And uh, they always say, we are known that the people who is living on the boat, you know, something like this. So they're very welcoming. So it can be anywhere in the Netherlands, you have to start all over again. Yeah, yeah, this is uh, a bit of a yammer, yeah, <laughs> you know, yammer. but uh, yeah, it's, you have to start uh, searching again for all the, you know, locations that you're used to, used to like, for example, for health health centers and leisure centers and such you have to rediscover that and reconnect with another place which can be a little bit uh, you know a little bit uh, um, how to say overwhelming something like that this is Holland America line this is one of the biggest I think uh, lines like cruise lines in the world, the Holland yes, American. You know what I think? I think this is the cruise boat where now the Ukrainian refugees are. Seriously? Yes. Wow. It's huge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Be careful. There's a car. Yeah. We also have uh, a boat right next to us. There in Skidam. We have a boat right next to us, and it's also for it. It came just like last week. And uh, we have neighbors, you know, uh, from Ukraine. And uh, there's, I think it's, it can accommodate like 60 people there. Not sure if it's full. Uh, 
I think this one is like for 1400,000 people. Yeah, this is a big block. It's like an apartment building. Yeah, I saw it passing actually from the ship when one, one morning I was, I was on the ship having breakfast. And, you know, I saw it passing and then I was talking to one location manager there and I see like, because you could see it coming from, from where our boat is, you could see like how it's crossing. And then I told him, oh my God, look, like it's a huge ship. And then he didn't know for uh, where is it going or anything. But after a couple of days, you hear the news that it's actually for Ukrainian yeah, uh, people staying here now. That's a bit surrealistic. Yeah, <laughs> it's super surreal. So you see, it, not only land, but also water can, can be our home. Yeah, this is a big show. I'm curious. Let's have a look. Yeah, let's do it. Zo plots als Latif op de opvangboot werd geplaatst, zo onzeker is zijn volgende plek. Het liefst blijft hij in de buurt en bouwt hij iets op. We staan aan de voet van het gigantische schip. Vanaf de kade worden karretjes met voorraad aan boord gereden en over de loopplank komen Oekraïners aan in de Mervehaven. It's so surreal that there's so much going on in the world for such a long time and you living on your boat and now these people just yep. arrived and... Yep, yep. It's uh, a lot of conflicts, you know. Like, for example, in Syria it was 10 years ago or something like this, since like 2011, where the conflict started there. It's still going. And. You know, I can imagine what is it like for them. You know, it's uh, it's kind of the same feelings of you know being taken away. You know, and you're just like leaving ev- leaving everything behind and just going somewhere new, or uh, or you're you know because a lot of people they can't come with everybody of their family members, so they have to leave a lot of family members behind or in other places. So they have to. They probably they physically they're here, but like mentally they're there. You know, they're just thinking about their beloved ones or family members or this or that. Are they safe? If they hear the news, they can always wonder. Oh, is it my my father? Is it my sister? Something like this. And how is that for you? Yeah, I, I also I have gone through the same thing. You know, it's the same experience. Like uh, where a conflict just suddenly starts. It's kind of the same experience. It's uh, it has a lot of similarities, actually. I think between what is going on in Ukraine now and what went in Syria, there is some like okay, it's completely two different geographies and context, you know, in the in the in the whole war situation. And there's so many different um, how to say there's so many like different aspects to it. But I, but at the same time, there is a lot of similarities, especially when I see the people. You know, if I'm, if I'm just gonna ignore everything else, and I'm just looking at humanitarian kind of like uh, situation, I, it's, it's really similar to people have fled many wars, um, 
for example, for Syria. It's very similar to that. Um, you know, just people getting displaced because of conflict. So it's, it's the same concept. How, how is it for you that your country has been in conflict for such a long time? And you grew up there, you have your memories there, your family, yeah. your, uh, yeah, your, it's your identity. Right, right, yeah, yeah. It's after the time, after like, after a lot of years, you kind of like live with it, you know? You can't, you, you know, it's one of the things that I think it's by luck. It happens by luck or something to people to, to become maybe refugees somewhere. It's just like the only thing which distinguishes them from not being a refugee probably is luck. Something like this. So, um, yeah, after many years, first, like, when it happens right away, it's chaos, right? It's like nothing is organized in your mind, in your space, in your surrounding. Nothing makes sense where you, what you're gonna do, this or that, how you're gonna help. Uh, other people too, you know, um, how you're gonna save yourself, how you're gonna save your family, then other people. So, on so many dimensions, your thinking is, uh, you know, you're overthinking from all sides, on all aspects. And, and then after, with the years passing by, you kind of live with it, you know, there is no other option to do. So you just have to digest it and somehow. Are you, know. you the same person than when you lived in Syria? Uh, I don't think so. I think so and I don't think so. Of course, I am the same person, you know. Uh, I still reminisce all the, you know, memories, the times. I also did my high school there, you know. And uh, the people, the friends, everybody. So. I am the same person from that aspect, but also I, I had many other experiences outside where I was seeking an education, looking for, uh, you know, looking to make a living or this or that, looking basically to build my future. And I think it's not only me, it's a lot of people where, you know, who have this kind of like age range when they're like, I don't know, 18, 19, um, they're starting to make plans to build future. And then suddenly something like this happens. So I share that with all this generation, you know, and not only Syrians, but probably Ukrainians, probably people coming from a lot of areas of conflict, you know, around the world. I think like, of course, it affects everything, like a war can affect everything, right? Uh, all society in general, with all its ages and such. But uh, it affects this generation, which is like the youngsters, way more because this, these people are like working to, how to say, to make, to make the things 10 years better. 20 years better, like to build something for later, you know, so it's not easy, you get me? It's also not easy for children, of course, because uh, they will see 
a lot of things that they don't have and to you see. Mean for your generation, it's not easy because it's when growing up, wherever you live, you want to build for the future. Mm -hmm. And then the future is insecure. Exactly. It's not insecure, it's destroyed. Destroyed. You know, it's like completely destroyed. So, yeah, if you're planning to, of course, like, future comes with some sort of like settling feeling, you get me? So you need to be settled in order to plan ahead. Um, you can't move around or shifts and stuff and plan on the go. You know, you have to like have a small zone base and then build from there and start locally. If you want to make a change in the world, you have to start locally, you know. So start by yourself, your circle around you, bigger, bigger, bigger. And it's the whole effect, just take a roll. So if you're doing it from a lot of places, it's also a little bit, uh, it's really hard. Twee weken later, via WhatsApp, een bericht. Latif is naar het zuiden van het land verplaatst. En schrijft... Nearby the water, but in the middle of nowhere. Mocht u Latif, een werktuigbouwkundige... een stage of traineeship kunnen aanbieden op technisch of managementgebied... neem dan contact op met redactie.openrotterdam.nl je luisterde naar Waterwegverhalen, een podcast van Inge Jansen en Dore van Duivenbode voor Open Rotterdam. Deze podcast is mede mogelijk gemaakt door 150 jaar vooruit Nieuwe Waterweg. Een reeks verhalen over leven langs en met de rivier. Meer afleveringen luisteren? Zoek dan in je favoriete podcast app naar Open Rotterdam en abonneer je op dit kanaal.